Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. So our guest today didn't have to travel very far. Uh, They just hop, skip, and a jump across the hall, actually. I'm pleased to share that Julie Ellenbecker, President and Senior Wealth Advisor, is here with us today, along with our very own in-house tax guru, Sandra Geisler, who is the Director of Tax Services. So welcome to the show today, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into some good stuff today, but uh, and I'm actually going to just sit back and let you guys take over because you gals are pros, and you actually did a presentation on this very topic of charitable giving and tax benefits. But Before you gals take over, I just want to take a few minutes to let our audience hear from Julie on a few things. So we talk a lot on the show about why people do the things they do and what drives their passion. And when I give a tour of the offices after a meet and greet, I have an opportunity to give people a better understanding of who Ellen Becker is from a holistic standpoint over and above the financial piece. So let's give the listeners a chance to hear directly from you, Julie. Um, from those for those that don't know the story, um, can you tell us why you and your mom, Karen Ellen Becker, started Ellen Becker Investment Group? Sure, it's a good story, and maybe many of our listeners have heard it over the years. And I don't get to take as much credit for the story as I would like because I was just, uh, you know, freshly in college working with my mom in a brokerage firm in Milwaukee and really learning the business from uh, truly the beginning stages of uh, filing and licking stamps and <laughs> envelopes. And and in 1996, after my mom had had a lot of experience both in the financial brokerage world, but also the banking world, she decided to start Ellen Becker Investment Group. And although I was quite young at the time, I knew enough to follow her out the door. And uh, I hang my hat next to hers at Ellen Becker <laughs> Investment Group. And so I, I really am excited that I've had the opportunity to be mentored by her, but also the fact that we started the company together. Uh, it was her dream and her passion, and she took all the risks, but I was able to be there from day one. And what that has provided me the opportunity to learn is the business from every single aspect. I've done almost every single position here at Ellen Becker Investment Group in some way, shape, or capacity. And for me, that's just been wonderful. It was about six years ago I took over the presidency of the company and have added a lot of my own flair along with her stepping into more of a founder role and just being a a guide for me as we continue to grow the company. But, you know, when my mom started the company, she did have a couple different goals in mind. The first one uh, was really to change the perception of the industry. Business in general and the financial industry in general doesn't always have, um, isn't always shined in a bright light, let's say. And, you know, media and some of the difficult challenges that we faced as an industry, some of the ethics and integrity that were swept under the rug over the many, many years made it difficult to be in this industry. Uh, and and the, the, the viewpoint of the public was always very challenging. And so one of the goals my mom had was to change the perception of the industry. And I think we've done a really good job in doing that. And we're going to talk about some of the ways that we have, but really helping people understand that you can run a business, you can run a profitable business, you can employ many, many families and give opportunities to people and still do it by having those guiding principles of 
doing the right thing and putting ethics and integrity first. So one of our major goals was changing the perception of the industry. Another one was to build a a fee-based model. That's more of a technical goal in our industry, but to build a model where fees are transparent, fees were open, and um, people were able to understand what services they were paying for and what value they were receiving for those services. So instead of using a model that's more commission-focused or sales-oriented, she really had a vision of starting a fee-based model, an environment where people could come and, regardless of their asset size, receive all of the financial planning that they so deserved. And so uh, really was a front-runner in in that type of a business model. And then lastly, uh, a really important goal to both my mom and I is to create an environment for our employees where they have opportunity to grow and develop. Uh, that's not always the way that it is in business. I think many times there's sort of the business leaders and then all the employees who help them get to where they are. Um, but maybe those employees don't have the same opportunities that the business leaders have. So that's another goal that we've both been able to really focus on and achieve many times over during the last um, 20-plus years of Ellen Becker Investment Group. We want our employees to be treated like our A-plus clients. We want them to have the opportunity to grow and develop and to feel safe to um, promote change here. And uh, so those three goals, I think, have been kind of the framework, the foundation for what we've worked really hard to develop here. And as much as I'd like to say they were my goals, I've definitely inherited them (laughs) and I've owned them and I love them and I work very hard to achieve them. Uh, But really, in 1996, it was my mom's dream. Well, and what an awesome mentor, Karen Ellenbecker, right? And we're coming up on 25 years celebrating yeah. Ellen Becker Investment it's Group. So it's awesome. Good, it's been a good run. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I've been. Uh, I've had the opportunity to experience many of the things you're talking about because being a client for 20 plus years and actually being uh, an employee for close to 12. January will be 12 years, and so. Uh, I can really say that there's been some exciting things going on here. But you also had a goal of building a state-of-the-art education center, right? Why? Well, the state of uh, the art education center was really a, a dream that I had, and it goes all the way back to my uh, history as to why I became a financial advisor, which would take me all day uh, to tell you because it's such a great story, and I don't like to leave anything out. But well, we love stories. <laughs> Share the story. We Ultimately, <laughs> I uh, I went. My first college degree is in education. And um, that was my goal. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to, uh, mostly I was excited about having my summers off and wearing blue jeans to work. <laughs> uh, but I most I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to help children uh, learn and become educated. And so back in 1995, I had the pleasure of meeting Sir John Templeton, who is a wonderful philanthropist. He's deceased. Um, and an investment uh, guru started the Franklin Templeton Funds. And I had an opportunity to meet him. And he asked me, he said, Julie, are you going to do what your mom does? And I said, no, absolutely not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a teacher. I'm going to wear jeans. I'm going to have my summers off. And, uh, and he looked at me. He actually took my face in his hands. And he said, you know, if you don't teach in this industry, you will not be successful. Wow. And that, I went back to college that next week. And that was I, your turning point. Yes, huh? I started to work for my mom because I realized that I could be an educator in this financial arena. And uh, plus, student teaching was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have a huge admiration for teachers because that's a real hard job. Um, so after doing my student teaching and having that experience with Sir John Templeton, I realized that education should and will always be the forefront of what we do. My goal is that our clients will be confident and convicted in the decisions that they make and so that we can all rest easy at um, at night when we put our heads on the pillow. And so the Education Center came to me because we love to have events. We love to host events. We love to teach. Uh, when we hear things more than once come from a client, we decide it's important enough to share it with everybody. And so I wanted a space that was warm and welcoming and um, advanced technology and available for our clients to come and the public to join in and nonprofits, which Jill, you've done such a good job bringing in our doors here. I wanted that to be here. And it's a beautiful space. If you haven't already seen it, um, you know, schedule a time to stop in. You can also see a tour on our webpage. I was going to say there's a virtual tour on the website, which doesn't, it's a good, it's a good video, but it doesn't do it justice. You really have to come in and see it. And I think it's important for our audience to understand that we do a lot of things out in the community uh, in the education center. So yes, it's available. Uh, we do client related things. We do staff related things. Um, but it's, it, I think it's, it's very neat when we can go out into the community and understand what they're looking for and offer that education right in our, in our doors. Yeah. Our, my dream was, center. was not to open an education center and have it sit there. Right. And, um, and that's why and it doesn't we're, sit yeah, there. it doesn't. It and that's why we're so time. proud of what you've accomplished, Jill, because, um, our goal is to have it used every day and, and, and sometimes it's used two and three times a day. Right, right. Uh, so, so that's amazing. We want it to be used. We want the community to be here. It's, it's a community resource center um, with an emphasis on education. And it's easy to understand why EIG has uh, the Money Sense show. You know, we talk about different ways that we reach out to the community. So Money Sense uh, show that we've had, it's been a huge success for over 26 years. So it's understandable why, we'd, why uh, we would do that. Both Karen and Julie and the various advisors uh, do uh, participate in the Money Sense show. But why an outreach radio show? Well, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, that is, I get asked that question a lot. And again, it was a real dream of my mom's to uh, be able to provide a forum for nonprofits to share their story. What we've recognized over the years, my mom and I had a family foundation for many years. We now have the Ellen Becker Investment Group Charitable Foundation, which we've had for over 20 years. Um, and we've sat on many, many boards and supported countless charities over the years. And what we've learned is that some of the smaller charities and the more boutique charities that are driven mostly through passion and love and experience don't have the resources financially to get the funding that some of the larger organizations have. And so this opportunity is for uh, nonprofits in the in the area and the somewhat in the area. Of course, that area keeps getting bigger and bigger <laughs> as we learn more and more what's out there. But it's an opportunity for us to highlight organizations that um, are doing really, really amazing things and are driven and fueled by passion. And passion is what is needed to fuel these philanthropic missions, but the financial resources are needed as well. And so we just take this time every week to highlight an organization uh, so that they can then go forward into the community with their story uh, in in radio and in print. And we do everything we can to catapult these organizations so that they can 
keep their mission moving forward. And uh, what's really neat now is that we're available on demand. So when I interview these various organizations, I tell them you potentially have a global impact because you can listen anywhere now on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and uh, um, Google Play. So and I know you can exciting. go to our webpage and just push play too, right? That's true. <laughs> yes, yes. But all I know is that I can write on my phone. I can just say Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, and it pops up, and I can listen. So you can listen anywhere, wherever you are. Um, but the, the radio show and the education center, all those things really speak to our core values about philanthropy and education. So, I mean, we have a, a list of other values, core values, obviously, but those really speak to those. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break now, but when we return, Julie and Sandra are going to talk about the significance of charitable giving in terms of a family financial legacy and the tax consequences associated with, with it. Um, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Julie Ellenbecker, President and Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellenbecker Investment Group, and Sandra Geisler, Director of Tax Services at Ellenbecker. So in this segment, before Sandra talks more about the tax opportunities, Julie, can you share what the benefit is in having a family financial legacy, both in general and as it relates to charitable giving? Sure. Uh, as I sit down with clients on a regular basis, you know, I hear uh, people sometimes are concerned about what does their money mean to the next generation. And uh, as we've done planning with clients over the years, you know, money is a difficult thing to have. It's a difficult thing to pass down. And many times pe clients are concerned, you know, what does this mean to my kids and my grandkids? How can I teach them my legacy? And so many years ago as a firm, we created core values. And those core values are, are really important to us. We, our employees live and breathe by those core values. We hire by those core values and people transition out based simply on those core values. And they're, they're, they're ones that seem really obvious like integrity and kindness and giving each other the benefit of the doubt and philanthropy and all of those things that we run our business by. And, uh, and it was a couple years ago my mom brought up the idea of why don't we start family core values? What do we want our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids to know about us that is really meaningful? And how do we pass those core values down almost like a family recipe? I know how to make my grandma's apple crisp. Before she passed away, I made sure not only did I have the recipe, but I made sure I could do it. And, um, and I have that, and that's really meaningful to me. But there's so many other things that are important other than just the family recipes and even money. And so we talk with our clients about philanthropy and, and passing down a legacy and how we can make sure that our kids know what's really important. When I was in high school, I had offered to uh, balance my mother's checkbook. And it was a Christmas present that I gave her because, uh, well, I've always been a numbers person, so that shouldn't surprise our listeners. <laughs> yeah, go figure there. <laughs> But I didn't have I didn't want I didn't have a lot of money to buy or something special. So I said, Mom, I'll balance your checkbook for you. Well, I ended up balancing her checkbook for many, 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 many years, well into my adulthood. And what I said to her after that first year of doing it, I said, Mom, I had no idea how much money you gave away to people. 
I didn't know that you supported organizations like the Alzheimer's Association or the Women's and Girls Fund or um, all of these different organizations. I just noticed it because I balanced her checkbook. And that was really eye-opening to me because I started then to take her core value of philanthropy and make it my own. And now as I have young adult children, I'm doing the same thing for them. I'm working really hard to make sure that they inherit that core value of philanthropy. And I think that it's really important, and we do talk to our clients about it, because it's, it is a family recipe that I think deserves uh, time and attention as you're doing your financial plan. Well, and actually, it's so important that we have a dedicated conference room. We have the family conference room where we have a lot of generational advising going on there, you know, with mom, dad, the kids, grandma and grandpa. So kind of says how important that is um, as part of our philosophy. So. And we have so many ideas on how to do this. So that's the other piece that I, I just want our listeners to understand. People don't often know how to give. They don't know who to give to. Or how to get involved. They don't know when to give yeah, or yeah. how much they can afford to give. So these are things that we work with our clients on and the public to help them understand. And that goes back to another reason why we have this radio show. Because I've asked people, and whenever I ask somebody to give, my friends or my family, they always do. People are generous in, by nature. Yes, they they want to give. They want to help people. Um, but many times they don't know how. Right. And so, you know, I encourage our listeners to continue to listen to this show, but reach out to our advisors here if they want to create a giving plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our guests in the past had a profound statement where she said you could listen to so many different um, interviews about different organizations, and you may not be moved to, to make an impact, to stand up and actually take part in that. And so what's neat about the show is that we give people a whole variety of different nonprofits that are out there so that you can really figure out where you want to get involved, where you want to be the boots on the ground, and, and something that aligns with your passion and just dig in, like you said. So right. it's, it's, it's all exciting stuff. So, Sandra, it's your turn. Why on earth are you so passionate about taxes? That just I just can't even imagine. But that you know, everybody's like got their question, gift, right? <laughs> Every, everybody's gift. got their gift. I, um, you know, honestly, the bottom line for me is that it's just my way of sort of helping people. After a long day working with the numbers, lots of paperwork, all of those things, when I feel like I can make an impact in somebody's life, maybe save them some dollars, maybe help them with their charitable giving strategy, whatever it is, educate them about how their tax liability is going to look for the year, whatever it is, those are the things that I'm really excited about. So my background, honestly, is very similar to Julie's in that I sort of got uh, pulled into the family business, which was a small accounting firm many, many years ago. Was not Come on, it wasn't was that what, many years it ago. It was many years ago. <laughs> and not, not exactly what I thought I was going to do with my life. I actually started out in a systems role and then moved into a marketing position. And when I had my first child, my mother, who had started her accounting firm, asked if I would come and help. And so that was 26 plus years ago. And uh, so I worked in private practice for a really long time until about three years ago when Julie asked me to come on the staff here at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And honestly, it's been a wonderful experience. I will vouch for Julie and and her, her passion about working and helping her employees about our core values here. It's all it's all very true. Um, it's wonderful environment to work um, for the employees and as well as for the clients. So I love to do the tax planning piece. So we're coming up on tax season here. Lots of end of year stuff going on. But 
really what we do is during the year outside of that um, April 15th, after that April 15th deadline, is we really work with the clients and look not only at their full financial picture, but I kind of take that little that little tax piece on the side and say, well, what can we do from a tax perspective to really affect some change this year to either save you some taxes or perhaps, you know, maybe you're, you know, make your charitable giving more efficient from a tax standpoint. There's a lot of different things that we can look at during the year. And that's such a valuable service that we provide because you don't know what you don't know, right? You know, I think about uh, my my husband and I. My husband has always done our taxes, and he felt pretty confident, you know, and he has been doing a great job. But when I said we have this great uh, resource available at Allen Becker, and and he tapped your brain, and he he was able to find areas that he wasn't even aware of. And so that's what's so awesome when we can provide that to our clients. You don't know what you don't know until you're working with someone who really does know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think traditionally taxes has sort of been the compliance piece, right? It's the filing of the return at the end of the year. When you do that in February or March or April, you're just reporting what happened in the prior year. Um, Really, the chance to affect change is during the year. That's when we get to make decisions that are going to impact that tax return in a few months. Right. Um, and Proactive planning. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's unique. It's unique um, in the tax business. And it's certainly unique in the financial planning business. There are not a lot of firms that have in tax, in-house tax tax counsel. We um, do a lot of unique things here, don't <laughs> we? I mean, there there aren't there's no other investment firm that has a director of community outreach or, you know, probably not many that have a, an in-house tax guru So yeah. and insurance. So we are doing a lot. There are great things here. And it's such a wonderful service for our clients. Um, clients that we meet with really see the value, um, and we've developed some wonderful relationships being able to help on the tax side. Yeah, well, I know we've seen it. We've seen it personally. All right, so here we go. Let's dive into this tax strategy. So you girls have at it now, and it's not my area of expertise by any stretch of the imagination, so you guys... Go ahead and maybe just start with an overview. Yeah, so let me start a little bit on that. Um, we had some pretty sweeping tax reform changes that happened at the beginning of 2018. Um, it's known as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And uh, from, a, from a tax perspective, we saw a change in the 1040. We saw a change in the tax rates. We saw elimination of a lot of things uh, with regard to personal exemptions and how and how much we can itemize um, deduction-wise. So a lot of things really changed from a tax perspective. And so one of the things that we really want to focus on today is talking about how charitable giving changed from a tax perspective. So <clears throat> really what happened was there was a significant increase in the standard deduction, okay? When you file your taxes, you either take an itemized deduction or you take a standard deduction. The standard is sort of the default. With that increasing to the level that it's at right now, which is uh, 24400 for a married couple, it's really hard to sort of get over that hurdle um, to itemize your deductions. Why that's important from a charitable giving standpoint is that if you don't itemize deductions, you don't really get any tax benefit for the giving that you've done. If you if you do two or three thousand dollars of charitable giving in the year, it really has no tax impact if you take a standard deduction. So so what I'm hearing, correct me if I've got this, uh, if I've got this, is that the the itemized deductions are are 
really come into play when you're talking about charitable giving. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So um, because there are about 44 million individual tax returns currently itemizing, I'm assuming there's a number of our listeners that are going to be curious about that piece. So let's take a quick break. And when we return, we'll get into a little bit more detail on that. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and our guests today are Julie Ellen Becker, President and Senior Wealth Advisor, and Sandra Geisler, Director of Tax Services at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So, Sandra, help us understand just how this new tax law will affect itemized deductions. Well, it's interesting. Up until the filing of the 2018 tax returns, there was a lot of talk in the industry about how charitable giving would decline. The original estimates were somewhere in the neighborhood of about 4 to 6% is what, we, what they were estimating we would see in terms of our, our nationwide charitable giving. It actually turned out to be a little bit less than that in 2018. Current figures are somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1% to 1.5% is what we saw as a decline in, in the giving. Interestingly enough, corporations kind of made up that difference. So overall, organizations, mostly the larger ones, actually continue to see good funding. But I think what we're going to see um, is that in 2018, when people filed their returns, that's when they sort of understood that they weren't getting any tax benefit. So they had already done their giving for 2018. Um, I think it will be really interesting in 2019 um, when people sort of have a better understanding of how tax reform affected the tax advantages of charitable giving, um, I think we're going to continue to see that number drop this year. And we've worked really closely with our clients because, you know, last year was our full tax year where we actually saw the effect of, mm-hmm. of all the changes with tax reform. And most people don't give just for the tax benefit. I think I mentioned that earlier in the, in the show. That's not the real driver for, for most people. But it definitely is important to pay attention to different methods or different strategies for giving because taxes ultimately, from a financial planning perspective, have, I would venture to say, almost the single most important impact on the longevity of assets. When we talk about financial planning, we there's a lot of different numbers that we use. We talk about return, we talk about inflation, we talk about fees, all of these different things. Um, typically, though, those are single-digit numbers. When we talk about taxes, many times we're talking about double-digit numbers. Taxes are going to be, for most people, the biggest challenge in planning for distributions and maintaining the longevity of their assets. So when we sit down with clients, we pay very close attention to taxes. It was so important to us that we started a tax division, you know, several years ago because we recognize how important it is to make financial decisions and understand what impact it has from a tax perspective. And having both of us at the table with clients when we do distribution planning is important. Cassandra's going to tell you the the most tax smart strategy, and I'm going to look from an investment perspective, and we're going to meet in the middle and we're going to come up with a really good plan for our clients. And the changes with tax reform really prompted us to talk a lot about charitable giving because that was a piece that I think affects the majority of our clients. 
And so we have been, uh, you know, out talking to different organizations, talking to donors, talking to nonprofit organizations about how to educate their donors on strategies for giving. Because I think that uh, it's the best of both worlds if you can still give in alignment with your core values and your philanthropic mission, but also have a positive tax benefit. So we do have several strategies. I think we probably have six or seven that we use with most of our clients. And hopefully we have enough time today for Sandra to start sharing some of those strategies. Yeah, let's just jump into it. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's just do it. Because these are the things that we really, as you said, when we sit down and talk with clients, these are the types of things that we can really help with from a planning perspective. Um, one of my one of the the ones that I like to use the best um, is giving appreciated securities, and I know you're very uh, aware of that. When we have um, clients who have portfolios that have securities that have appreciated considerably over time, that is a wonderful opportunity to. Uh, donate those securities. Um, And so it's a fairly simple process. There's a little bit of um, extra manipulation that we sort of have to do, and your organization has to be able to accept uh, a a stock or a mutual fund. And most charities do have a brokerage account that they've already set up, and they're willing to accept those gifts of stock. Absolutely. And uh, we can certainly help with that if that organization needs some help. But honestly, if you decide that you wanted to give a security to an organization, they'll figure out a way to take those funds. And what's the benefit of giving a highly appreciated security? A highly appreciated security is deducted at the fair market value of that security. So that's a huge tax benefit because if you were to have sold that security, you would have realized gain, you'd have a tax liability associated with that, and if you then gave the organization the proceeds from that, you would, you would in effect, give them less because you've, you've had to pay some tax on it. So if you give the security you don't realize the gain, you don't pay the tax, and you get the deduction for the full fair market value. And that's because 501c3 charitable organizations don't pay that tax. That's correct. That's correct. So typically what happens is the securities are transferred and the organization immediately sells that because they need the cash to fund their organization. Yeah, that's a great strategy. Another one we use a lot is the qualified charitable distribution. That, if you are over age 70 and a half, is by far the most tax-advantaged way for most people to do their giving. It's an opportunity for people to use their RMD, which is their required minimum distribution. That's the amount that they're required to take out from their IRA each year once they get over that age. If the funds are given directly to a qualified charity, that amount is then subtracted from the income that they would have to realize as that part of that distribution. So that can save 15, 20, 30, even 40%, depending on the tax bracket of the individual. Absolutely. It's huge from a number of standpoints. One, uh, you don't have to itemize deductions in order to get a tax benefit. And two, it reduces your overall income, which of course has a, has a triple trickle-down effect, right? It could potentially affect how much of your medical expenses are deductible. It could affect how much you pay for your Medicare premiums. There's a lot of things sort of associated with that adjusted gross income number. And we encourage our clients, if you are doing any gifting, even if it's a small amount, talk to us. Talk to a financial advisor because there are ways to still do that gifting and give you a little tax benefit. Well, what about um, donor advised funds? Donor advised funds are, are 
becoming quite popular. I think we're going to continue to see a surge in the popularity of those. A donor advice fund is basically a sort of a little savings account, a charitable savings account. They're set up at a foundation. Uh, there's many of them that will accept the funds, um, and they become sort of the uh, the account from which you can grant from. So what it allows us to do from a tax perspective is to time when we want to take that deduction. So contributing to a donor advised fund allows you to take a tax deduction, um, but that money can stay there until you decide who you actually want to grant those funds to. So many times, Jill, we'll double up contributions. So if a client normally would give you know, $5,000 a year to charity, um, that's not enough to often get them over the standard deduction amount um, so that they can itemize. So what we might do is say, if you're going to do that every single year, why don't we put fifteen or twenty or 25000 into a donor-advised fund, give you a great tax advantage this year, uh, and then you don't have to give it out. You can give it out over the next five or six years. And so it is an, it's an amazing tool. I could talk all day about donor-advised funds because it's also a really great way to create a family legacy. For my family, what I've done with a donor-advised fund is we put money into it as a family each year, and then we give all of the grandchildren in our family, children and grandchildren in our family, the ability to gift a little bit each year. And they come to Christmas with a little presentation on their organization. My wow. daughter just told me that hers this year is an organization um, known as Doctors Without Borders. Oh, I, wonderful. I can't wait to hear her uh, presentation at Christmas. And it's become a really amazing way to connect all of us through giving. Uh, and it helps. It's really tax efficient. And so uh, there are so many strategies with donor-advised funds that don't even necessarily, um, you know, enlighten me from a tax perspective, although, of course, that's there. There's just really great ways to create a family legacy through donor-advised funds. But it's a great way to put some money in there. You don't, you get the deduction right away. You don't have to spend it. You can think about it. Um, it's also a really great strategy to use if you have a tax situation that happened in the current year. So if you sold a lot of securities or you have a lot of profit on a business or a building or, or something, if you, have a, if you have a high tax year, a donor-advised fund is a great way to minimize some of those taxes. Well, and I like your idea of bringing the family into it and, you know, you're gifting them really with uh, a legacy of giving and uh, and help, helping them understand how they can give in a, in a way that might be different. And many times neat. the younger generation, you're raising kids or, you know, you're trying to build your careers or you're paying for student loans or a house, you don't have the resources to give. So as a grandparent, as the patriarch or matriarch of the family to encourage giving um, for that next generation, it's amazing. I, f I feel really honored to be able to do that for my kids. Yeah. It's such a wonderful legacy, too, for, for your children and your grandchildren to be able to share what they're passionate about right? And to, and to instill in them that this is important to our family. And that life isn't just about us. Mm -hmm. right. It's really right. hard to teach kids nowadays. Piece, and yeah. I hear parents and grandparents, my clients tell me all the time, you know, I don't know what my money is going to mean to my kids. I don't like how they spend it. All they do is stare at their phone at Christmas. You know, I hear that all the time. And so, again, when we hear things more than once, we try really hard to come up with ideas and solutions for our clients. And this is one I think every client I've told has gone out and done it. It's just really cool. It's, it's a amazing. great way for a child to bring their call to action to the table. Because you can't just say, well, you can, but I mean, it's more effective if you let the child voice 
what they're passionate about and what organization they want to give to as opposed to saying this is who, what we're going to do this year, uh, their call to action would be would be greater, I think, and the passion piece is there. Um, what about there's something called charitable remi- remainder trust. What about that? So a charitable remainder trust is is an irrevocable trust that kind of provides for an immediate tax deduction. Um, while still receiving an income stream. So it's not for everyone, but I think that that's another opportunity and another strategy that we can use um, for wealthier individuals um, to be able to get a tax benefit for the charitable giving. Okay. And setting up a charitable remainder trust requires the support of an accountant as well as an attorney. Um, And so it is a little bit more elaborate of a plan. It works great. Uh, It's a wonderful plan when it makes sense. The donor-advised funds that we just talked about a minute ago, um, those you just need to work with a financial advisor on and and get that taken care of. It's it's much easier, less complex. Okay. And Julie, you had kind of mentioned uh, when we started talking about the donor-advised fund, this concept of bunching contributions. Right. Um, And that's a really simple strategy. That's something really anybody can, can use. If, for example, you give you know five or six thousand dollars a year, um, what if we just gave two years worth right together? So uh, what we have said to clients is give your normal five or six thousand dollars that you give during the year, and on you know December thirty first, write checks to the organizations that you support, um, and say this is our contribution for the following year. Okay. And that allows us then to have maybe ten or twelve thousand dollars worth of charitable deductions, which would allow us to itemize in that year. Okay. And if you do that every other year, um, sort take, of like we used to do with property taxes, right? Right. It's <laughs> yeah. that same basic concept. Yeah. Um, take the itemized deduction one year. Take the standard deduction the next year, and overall, you'll save tax over that two-year period. And one thing I'd just like to mention about that on behalf of all the organizations and the charitable organizations that are accepting these donations, if you're going to do that, it's very helpful to them that you let them know um, because they don't know if you give them a check on December 31st for $5,000, they might think that's an extra contribution. They may still think that your normal giving throughout the year is going to take place. I know this is specifically with churches and people who run budgets based on their um, organization's, uh, you know, giving plan. And so if you are going to do that, just, you know, pop a little note in there and say, hey, this is my next year contribution as well. I thought you could use it early uh, just so that the organizations can plan. Okay. Well, another tax strategy that you talk about is life insurance. Can you guys elaborate on that? Yeah, I I brought up life insurance uh, with many of our clients. Here's a way. I think life insurance is a wonderful way to give a meaningful and impactful legacy gift. And what I mean by that is if somebody wants to make a really big impact on an organization but doesn't have the cash flow uh, available to do that, sometimes what clients can do is purchase some life insurance. Purchasing life insurance and making the charity the beneficiary is a way for a meaningful gift to come at the end of your life. So, you know, if you want to give 100000 or 200000 or 500000 to an organization, but you don't have that to give, maybe you want to pay an annual premium, $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, whatever that premium is, and make the beneficiary of that life insurance um, a charitable organization. It's a neat way to uh, have a big impact at the end at the end of your life. What I will say is that um, if you are thinking about this as a as an overall 
possible plan, it's really important to talk with a financial advisor because there are benefits to giving different assets to charities from a tax perspective. Life insurance is tax-free. And so it's before you start implementing really any of these strategies on your own, it's really important to talk to somebody like Sandra or myself so that you can make sure that by doing a strategy with one hand, you're not harming the strategies that you've put in place with the other. Well, it's exciting to know that there are options, right? There are opportunities on on both sides, you know, on the tax side and on the giving side. And we know that people are giving. Actually, as of November 2019, over $105 billion were reported in assets and over $73 billion in reported income. But charitable contributions actually dropped in 2018, which is interesting. And I think you'd be amazed by how much. So stay tuned to find out just how much and why. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. And Julie Ellenbecker and Sandra Geisler are joining me in the studio today to talk about charitable giving and taxes. So we understand that there are a lot of people that are that are philanthropic-minded and people that are giving. We know that by the numbers that, uh, that I reported in the last segment. But the fact is that charitable contributions actually dropped in 2018. By how much, Sandra, and why? Yeah, the, the estimates at this point, I'm not sure they've got all the data together, but the estimates are about $15 billion was the decrease that, that was going to be seen as wow. a result of the changes to the tax law. That's, that's unbelievable. It really is. And unfortunately, it kind of hurts the smaller organizations more than the larger ones. Um, so it's important to recognize that, you know, we don't give because we're trying to get a tax benefit. We give because we're passionate about an organization and we want to see them succeed in their mission. And again, I think by... Uh, matching your your passion and your purpose with an organization um, with over 54,000 nonprofits in the state of Wisconsin, you're sure to find one that you can align your passion with, right? So, um, well, let's take the the last uh, minutes that we have for this interview to just um, kind of summarize. What, What would you hope that people would take away from all the things that we talked about today, Sandra? I think it's important to recognize and to work with a professional that can help you to get the most tax benefit that you can from your charitable giving. Um, I, I think there are ways to do that, and I think it's important that you plan now. Um, I know it's the end of the year, but there's still some things that we can do. Um, it's important to recognize that any of the charitable giving that you do in 2019 is still going to be potentially deductible for you in 2019. Um, it's not too late. Um, you can still write checks up until the very end of the year. Make sure you get them in the mail by December 31st. <laughs> Postmarked by 1231. A- absolutely. Um, especially if you're planning on itemizing this year. Okay. Julie, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about so many different things. So I always say in every interview, uh, but it bears repeating, that there's so much to talk about we can never get to everything. But what we're doing is we're trying to plant a mustard seed. So people, if you're interested in, in – uh, anything that we talked about, you can follow up, but we're just trying to give you a highlight on some things. So what would you say, Julie, as far as summarizing some of the different things you talked about? 
Well, for me, what I'm encouraging our listeners to do is to think about what philanthropy means to them. How can they create their own family philanthropic plan, one that is sustainable, one that is repeatable, um, one that is inclusive, and, of course, one that is tax compliant. Uh, so I think it's important if you're listening out here to think about what does philanthropy mean to you and really jot down what it means and and then come up with a plan. And I'm happy to help anybody out there. Our firm does this really well. Uh, but come up with a plan, one that you can share with your family. I think that um, the sustainability piece is really important, making it repeatable so that you can do it every year because it becomes a habit and then it gets passed down from generation to generation. One thing that would be really great to do in this holiday season and into the new year is to come up with your own family core values and talk to your family. You're hopefully going to be sitting around the table with people uh, and, and pick their brains. Ask them. You know, ask your grandkids or your neighbors or your nieces and nephews or whoever it is that you're going to be with. Ask them what they think about when they think about you. If they had to describe you in a couple words, what would it be? Would it be generous? Would it be kind? Would it be crabby? <laughs> Sometimes. If, if it's yeah. crabby, we need if to I work on that. I haven't had chocolate, yeah. yes. um, But, you know, start talking about it. Talk about those softer things because those are the things that your, um, your family and the people who follow you are going to remember. And once you start to see how other people see you, then you can create a plan that's going to carry that through, um, like your family's best recipe, like my grandma's apple pie, apple strudel, not pie, apple crisp, that's what it's called, <laughs> apple crisp, which I have perfected over the years. So, um, so I really encourage people to start talking about it. And then ultimately, when you come up with a plan, put it in writing, and then before you implement it, before you finalize it, you know, give it, give it a chance for somebody else to look at it and, and make sure that it is sustainable and compliant and repeatable. Uh, because that's what's really important. Sit down with an advisor. Ask your advisor. If your advisor is not talking to you about more than just what your money can do for you, um, I think you're really missing out. Ask your advisor to talk to you about charitable giving, about legacy planning, about family core values. Those are things that are important. And I could go on and on and on because I think that um, by taking the time to do that, it really puts in it puts in a lot of uh, a lot of changes for your family, and and that's part of the reason why we've done this radio show, and why we think it's so important to talk about philanthropy. Sandra could talk all day about tax strategies, and <laughs> and although I can't say I'm as nearly as passionate about taxes <laughs> as she is, it's really important to pay attention to that because there are ways to give that can help from a bottom line perspective. Maybe um, there's some kind of nonprofit out there that deals with. Tax, tax services or something. Maybe that, I should start one. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, and that would align just really planted a solidly seed, with. I think yeah, so. there's that, that mustard <laughs> seed again. Actually, right? I already have something in mind because in 2020 we are starting um, a veterans and first responders special interest group at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Awesome. And Jill, it's it's going to model your Bible study that you've been running for years, and our um, sustainability group and our widows group. And so in 2020 we are starting. Starting this veterans and first responders group that my brother Jeff Ellen Becker 
who is a veteran of the United States Army, is going to be hosting for us. So I'm very excited. And Sandra, I think that we'll be doing some tax returns <laughs> for veterans next year. There you go. That's There's exciting. That piece there. See, just put three really awesome, smart, philanthropic, <laughs> charitable women around a table, and we'll come up with some great new ideas. You have to That's cut wonderful. us off on, you know, it's time to go now. Yes. <laughs> just sit and talk about all kinds of ideas. Well, thank you, Julie Ellen Becker, President and Senior Wealth Advisor for Ellen Becker Investment Group, and Sandra Geiser, our in-house tax guru, Director of Tax Services. Thank you for sharing your expertise with all of us. Um, if you'd like to get further information about what they talked about today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us again next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on News Talk, WISN AM 1130, to learn about some great people and nonprofits that are doing great things in our community. And if you're not at home or not in your car listening to the radio, you can tune in via the iHeartRadio app, or you can just go to iHeartRadio.com. If you miss the broadcast on Sunday, you can go to our website at ellenbecker.com to see all past shows, or you can now listen on demand on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. Today's show was a little different uh, than our normal nonprofit interview, but we thought it would be a great way to end the year. It's the season of giving, so we thought it would be nice to talk about that subject. Next week, we'll be back to the normal process of highlighting nonprofits that are doing great things in the community. And if the organization's purpose or the passion resonates with you and you feel a call to action, you can reach out to them and see how you might be able to get involved. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.